Welcome back to Passions Over Pancakes. My name is Hannah. I am the creator and the host of this podcast, a project in which I talk to people about their passions while we eat pancakes. Today on the menu, we have pancakes from joyfoodsunshine.com. They are absolutely delicious. I'll leave a link in the description below if you would like to make them as well. Highly recommend them. I love Joy Food Sunshine for all of my cooking needs. I make most of my meals from that website and I'm blessed to know the owner of the website, Laura Sanford. I can't rave about her enough. Anyways, let's go ahead and get right into this. Today on the podcast, we have such an exciting guest. My dad, Eric Johnson, is here to talk about his new book, Introducing Christianity to Mormons. Y'all, you will hear about why this is such an exciting book, but the baseline and the bottom line of everything is the fact that this is a brand new book in its genre. It has never been done before. There's nothing out there like this and that's why it's so exciting. I am so excited to have my dad on the podcast today. You're going to hear him talk about his faith journey, why he came to the conclusion that Christianity is truth, what the difference is between Mormon theology and Christian theology, what makes a Christian a Christian, and of course, most importantly, probably the reason that you're here. We're going to talk about his book and why he wrote the book, what the purpose of it is, the the spurring of the idea, and we're also going to talk about a few things in the book and why he chose to spend his time on those things. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this episode, and I am so excited to get this information out there. Introducing Christianity to Mormons comes out on September 13th. That's next week. You can pre-order it anywhere, and you can buy it on September 13th anywhere that books are sold. That's Amazon, ChristianBook.com, Barnes & Noble. Anywhere that you get your books, you can find it. And I hope that you're just as excited as I am. Let me go ahead and introduce my dad. Eric Johnson is a fantastic father of three girls and a wonderful husband to his wife, Terry. Hey, mom, I know you're listening. (laughs) He was a Bible teacher in San Diego, California for 17 years, and he was the Bible department head as well at Christian High School. He also taught English at the local college, and he does anything he can for truth. He has worked with Mormonism Research Ministry for many, many, many years, and he eventually moved his family out to Utah to be closer to the LDS people and to really dive head on into ministry and have that be his entire life. He has co-authored many books alongside Bill McKeever, Sean McDowell, you name it. He's co-authored so many books, and he's also written books of his own, and he'll talk about that a little bit later. This is the man that taught me how to tie my shoes in our front yard. He's the one that taught me how to swing a bat and throw a softball, even though I almost broke his thumb when he was trying to teach me how to swing. He's the man that changed my diapers. He came to all of my events for band and softball in high school. He has been such a mentor for me and has really led by example in his walk with the Lord. And he walked me down the aisle and he has prayed for me every single day. Y'all, this man is somebody that you will look up to. I can guarantee it. I am so grateful that he is my dad. I'm so blessed by him every single day. And I'm so excited that he's here on the podcast. So before I get emotional, let's go ahead and get right into the podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. All right, Dad, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Hannah. You're welcome. Thanks for being willing to be on. 
It's my pleasure. Oh, stop it. Okay, well, I'm very excited to have you on today. This is uh, the very, very special guest, my father, and I'm very excited to have him on the show today. This is the most special guest we've had so far, and uh, one very near and dear to my heart, and I'm very excited to have him here. So today we are going to be talking about Mormonism, and more importantly, my dad's new book, Introducing Christianity to Mormons. And I am very, very honored to have him on the podcast, and so let's go ahead and get started. So dad, I want to I start off with a little introduction by you. Uh, who are you, and what got you into teaching about Christianity and what got you into Mormonism and wanting to witness to them? Well, I, I have been interested in other religions for many, many years. When I was a junior in high school, there was an event that took place in Guyana in uh, Central America, uh, Jim Jones and People's Temple, and almost a thousand people committed suicide by drinking cyanide-laced Kool-Aid. That's where the term don't drink the Kool-Aid came from. And I was a high school student who went to a Christian school and I asked myself, this guy claimed to be a Christian and all these people did such a foolish thing. Why in the world did they do that? Am I possibly in such a group? I went to a Christian church and yet at the same time, I don't know if I had quite owned my own faith, which I think is very important for every person to do, especially at a young age. I started to do a lot of research, and uh, when people came to my door, Jehovah's Witnesses, we had Moonies, Unification Church come, uh, Mormons, uh, I'd bite them inside, I'd try to find out as much as I could. I read their scriptures. When I went to college, I went to uh, uh, Mesa Junior College, took a, um, uh, a world religions class, I took some other religion classes in, in uh, San Diego State University. Hare Krishnas were on campus, I'd go up and ask them questions. So these were things that I just found to be fascinating, how other people believed. So it gave me a chance to kind of look at not only what other people believe, but by doing that helped me to know what I believed as well. So that kind of is what really got me started. And then I, I was with a ministry called Making Disciples Ministry in the mid 80s. A uh, guy that I knew, his name was Jeff Howe, uh, was very big on witnessing to Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, and New Age. And so I, I got involved with him. We would do some things with Mormons. And so in 1987, I decided to come to Utah on a short-term mission trip. And that's where I met your mother. And then we ended up uh, going to um, uh, doing a number of things together. We got married a year later. And then uh, I met my friend Bill McKeever in 1989. He needed some help with his ministry called Mormonism Research Ministry. I ended up uh, volunteering for him. Uh, and, uh, and and so anyway, that's kind of how I got into this kind of ministry. I moved to Utah with you, Hannah, and our two dogs and your middle sister, or your uh, next oldest sister, and then uh, um, all of our animals and cats. And we moved here in 2010, and we've been in Utah ever since. That we have. Okay, so with all that, thank you for that introduction. Why why was it Mormonism that you were so attracted to and not Jehovah's Witnesses or Catholics or anybody else that you wanted to join a ministry with? Well, Mormons are usually very easy to talk to. They don't just run away. Jehovah's Witnesses will run away. They're very hard to get into conversation with. At your door, you can do a little bit, but once they realize that you know about their religion, they won't talk. But I when I came to Utah, I really realized that it was not very difficult to get into good quality conversations 
just being kind and asking questions, uh, listening to what other people had to say. I think that really goes a long way. And I was able to uh, have success when I was here to be able to communicate the gospel. Uh, and so when I went back to San Diego, I didn't know I'd get involved in the ministry to Mormons, but I, I had a special love for the LDS people. And that's kind of how um, really I have a passion for Mormons. Although I do things with other religions. For instance, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses have a convention every year, although the last few years because of COVID they have not. But uh, I, I have a website called followthechrist.com and I have website signs that I'll go out and stand outside. But there are very few that will just come out and talk to us. So it makes it really hard to do evangelism if they're not willing to engage. And yeah. it makes it, uh, it, makes it very, uh, um, not only difficult, but uh, just disheartening. And so I'd rather deal with people. A lot of Mormons won't talk to me when I'm out on the street. They walk right by. But every once in a while, you'll have somebody who wants to engage and, and you have a quality conversation. And I just love sharing the gospel truth with people who are very religious, but don't really have a relationship with Christ. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, before we get any further into this podcast, I want to uh, start off by just kind of diving into very simple definitions of what is the difference between Christian theology and Mormon theology? What makes a Mormon a Mormon and what makes a Christian a Christian? Can you kind of go into that and, you know, I know you're an apologist, but in simple terms. <laughs> well, Mormons like to be known as Christians if they would let, if you would allow that to happen. But I think there's confusion because the word Christian historically has a meaning. And when we take a look at what Mormonism teaches versus what the biblical faith that has historically been believed by Christians for 2,000 years believe, I think you're going to see those major differences. I mean, one would be who is God? According to Christianity, God is one, uh, as revealed in three persons. Um, there's never been a time that God was not God and that he does not have a body, but rather is spirit in Mormonism. The idea that God has a body of flesh and bones and that he once existed in a previous world and that he worshipped a God above him. And then that God must have worshipped a God before him, going back into an infinite regress. I mean, that that's a huge difference. And Jesus is not always God. He became a God. We're not sure exactly how that all happened, according to Mormon theology. But uh, before this world, he was not God. Well, that is does not work with what the Bible teaches, that Jesus has been um, God from the very beginning. He was the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And uh, we have to understand that uh, he was um, he, he was the creator of this world. He was he, he never had a, a chance to become God because he was. Uh, the idea that salvation comes by grace, uh, according to Christianity, we don't believe that it's by works that we're justified, but justified by faith and faith alone. Mm -hmm. uh, the book of Romans is very strong on that. Mm -hmm. um, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. Mm -hmm. Mormonism has a verse in the book of Mormon that says, 2 Nephi 25, 23, that a person is saved by grace after all they can do. Well, what does that mean, after all they can do? Well, there's 
there's salvation by grace, which means that because of your obedience in a previous life called the pre-existence, you get to go to one of three kingdoms of glory. But um, that doesn't give you the very best that Mormonism has to offer. That's called the celestial kingdom, an exaltation, celestial glory, where you can be with your family forever. But that is where you keep the commandments continually. And their scripture says in D&C 25:15, and unless you do where I am, you cannot go. Scripture. I, I just uh, quoted a verse from one of the LDS scriptures. We don't hold to the Doctrine and Covenants as being a uh, scripture. Book of Mormon or the Pearl of Great Price. Those are all either translated by Joseph Smith or or mainly written by Joseph Smith with mm -hmm. a few um, a, a, a few other places where others have written but otherwise mainly joseph smith you have to trust in joseph smith in order to believe in this religion the christians only believe in the 66 books of the bible mormons do believe in the bible but only as far as it's translated correctly so there's a huge difference and so it's great they have that so you can actually quote the bible but oftentimes a mormon will not believe the bible when it contradicts one of their other what are called standard works the other three scriptures so these are all uh, a variety of things, but if you go down the line on all the major doctrines of what Mormonism teaches, it denies or distorts every single fundamental teaching of the historic Christian church. Mm -hmm. And that is a problem because we cannot think. We, we, we might have differences of denominations and we might have differences on uh, how often do we take communion or or um, you know, should we sing praise songs or should we sing traditional hymns? Or there's other more uh, meaty issues than that. When when is Jesus returning? There's all kinds of things that we disagree on, but we can all agree to disagree on those things that we're not quite clear on. But those things I just talked about, who is God, Jesus, Scripture, salvation, those four right there are very clearly taught. And anybody who disagrees uh, and teaches another gospel. Paul says in Galatians 1.8, let him be accursed. He repeats himself in verse 9. And another Jesus, 2 Corinthians 11.4 says it's possible to have another Jesus. Yes, Muslims have Jesus as one of their prophets. Yes, Hare Krishna is believed Jesus is a good, great guru. Uh, you can go through all the religions. They all seem to have Jesus in there somewhere. But is he really God in the flesh who came and lived amongst us and then died for our sins so that through faith we might be able to we might be able to have eternal life because of of that what he has made available for us. So I don't know that's kind of a long answer to your question but if you look at the differences I don't think we can say Mormonism is the same as Christianity any more than I can say Christianity is the same as Mormonism yeah. because we have so many differences. Yeah. Okay, so I think you're talking about the differences. What what makes a Christian a Christian then? You talked a lot about how, what makes a Mormon a Mormon, but what what is biblical Christianity? Well, it's it's a person who accepts the Bible as being the word of God, a person who has a relationship with God through Jesus. It's based on faith and not by their works. Works are important, of course. We call that sanctification, but when we call salvation through faith, that's called justification. And so it's basically you having a relationship with Jesus and have received him in your heart. Uh, it's not based on what you did, but based on what uh, he did. And, and, you know, religion has a way of saying, here's what you have to do for God. And they give you all the rules and regulations. Islam is perfect for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, five pillars of faith. You have to you have to believe these five things and do them. Yeah. Uh, you have to, you know, you have to 
pray five times a day. You have to go to Mecca on a Hajj. You have to, um, you know, uh, do salat two and a half percent of your of what you have. And those are the things you hope to have more good works than bad. Uh, all the religions have those rules. Yeah. Mormonism does too. But Christianity doesn't ask that question, what must I do for God in order to gain eternal life? The question we ask is, what did God do for me? And he did it on the cross. Jesus died on the cross so that we might be able to have eternal life through faith and faith alone. That'll preach. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for uh, giving a brief explanation of those two, especially for listeners who might not have be well-versed in either one of those things. That is that is a fantastic little snippet of the gospel, and I really appreciate that. All right, so you talked a little bit prior to this about how you have, uh, in your story, you wanted to make sure that you know you had the truth, and how do you know that you have the truth? And I think you have a huge passion for um, people my age and younger, and, and high school students making sure that they really know what their faith is before going to college. Tell me a little bit about why you're so passionate about high schoolers and tell me uh, what you created at my high school when I was in high school um, and why is that so important to you? I think it's important for uh, teenagers to learn how to own their own faith because if they don't do that by the time they graduate, the odds are very likely they're just going to stop going to church, stop doing anything having to do with God, stop reading their Bible. I think uh, youth programs are great. I think college programs that are Christian programs are great too. But here in Utah, uh, we're very LDS. And when I say LDS, that's an abbreviation for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or Mormons are the nickname we use. Uh, a huge LDS population. And the, uh, the kids have the opportunity to go next door or across the street depending on where the high school is for public high schools and go to what's called seminary they get actual credit to go and take four years if they would like uh, they're, they're studying everything from the bible to the doctrine and covenants and the pearl of great price church history they're, they're learning things about their religion and by the time they graduate they can go on a mission and at least have a good overview of what they're supposed to believe beyond just what they do on sunday and uh, when we moved here, uh, your, you and your sister went to a public high school, but they had nothing for Christians. And um, your older sister, when she graduated, said that she didn't know one Christian uh, student when, when uh, she was done, which was, to me, very, very uh, hard that uh, that was the case. And that was your freshman year. And so I started talking to you about, wouldn't it be great if we could have some kind of a class uh, to have for a volunteer class for Christians who would like to take that. Uh, there's a church across the street from Alta High School, Alta Canyon Baptist, and I went over there one morning on a snowy morning and knocked on the door, and the pastor answered the door, and I said, uh, you really need to start a Christian seminary here. He didn't know who I was, so I introduced myself, and he said, well, would you believe I've been talking about doing this, but I can't get any contact in with the administration on how I'm able to do that. So together, he and I, a uh, half year later, uh, ended up beginning a, a Christian seminary class uh, that um, students could come to. It was two days a week at that time, Tuesdays and Thursday mornings. One day was what's called a sleep-in day. They didn't start school till 9, so we could start at 7. The other day, we would meet at 6.15. And we would have anywhere from 4 to 10 students 
Uh, I've been, I think we've been doing that for seven years. You graduated mm -hmm. five or six years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, so you were there for the first uh, two and a half of the years. But we've had really good uh, success, we feel, of training up kids the way that they should believe and, um, and that they own their own faith. I, I don't have an exact figure with everybody who's gone through our program, but as far as I know, I don't think anybody's left Christianity, which is for us really important. And so we, we spend a lot of time trying to teach the kids worldviews. We challenge them. We try not to make it just baby kind of things. Um, we, uh, some people, some kids kind of don't like that. So they won't come after one or two times because they just want to play games or, you know, really simple things. And we're, we think that high school students can, can think for themselves. I, tr I taught high school Bible for a number of years in Southern California. And so, uh, I use that experience to help me, uh, know what kids can do, what they, how they think to have open-ended discussions where they can disagree with us. I think that's all very important and allowing them to have a say in what we do. And I, th I think that has worked out very well for us. So um, I, I, think, um, I think that's something that other, it would be great if other um, volunteers out there would want to maybe try to do something at their high schools, especially if their mm -hmm. kids are going to that high school. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll speak to that too. When my dad started that seminary across the street, it was one of the best opportunities because uh, like my older sister, I also didn't know many people who were Christians. Actually, I don't think I knew hardly any uh, Christians at that school prior to that seminary being started. And after we got the word out and uh, some people started kind of coming out of the woodworks and their parents would drive them early in the morning, we'd pick one of the girls up uh, early in the morning. And it was a it was a really, really great thing to have, especially when all of your LDS friends are going to seminary either during the day or early in the morning. Uh, and you kind of, in a way, you almost feel left out. And if you're not an, a Mormon in Utah, you probably understand the feeling of uh, all your friends walking back from seminary talking about the talk that they had that day and the lesson. And you just feel really left out. And you don't know many other people who aren't LDS, let alone being a Christian in in a primarily LDS school. It's it's a difficult thing. So um, that was a really good opportunity for me, I know for sure. And there are some people that are still lifelong friends to this day that I've met through that uh, that seminary that I would not have probably met or have been as good of friends with unless, unless uh, we had that seminary. So I'm really grateful for it. I know everybody else is too. But um, yeah, so that's, that's a little background on that. Thank you for that. Well, now I want to dive into a little bit of your... I mean, you're an author, so I want to dive into that background as well. You've written a lot of different books, so tell me about the different books that you've written. Let's just start there. Well, I, I have written uh, books uh, starting in 1994, a book that's no longer in print called Questions to Ask Your Mormon Friend, and that was published by Bethany House Publishers. That was my first year of teaching, and I had my honors 10 English students go through that book with me and just wanted to make sure it was understandable. So that book... Um, was the first one and then we wrote Mormonism 101 originally in 2000 with Baker and that book was later republished in 2015 under Baker. Uh, that's a book that kind of compares the differences between the uh, Mormonism and, and Christianity as far as doctrines go. Uh, then in uh, 1983 Bill McKeever originally wrote a book called Answering Mormon's Questions and then he had it reprinted in 1991 with Bethany House. Then they stopped printing it, and then we reprinted it under Kriegel. And that's a list of 38 questions and how you can 
answer those questions that many Mormons like to ask, common questions. Uh, in 2016, I wrote a book called Mormonism 101 for Teens, sort of like the Mormonism 101 book, but it is specifically aimed at teenagers who want to understand better their Mormon friends and just some overview of what Mormonism is. 2018, I uh, edited a book with Sean McDowell called Sharing the Good News with Mormons, 28 different chapters on possible ways of sharing your faith with other people. And that was printed by Harvest House. And then in 2022, this year, in, in September, this book called Introducing Christianity to Mormons will be coming out. That book is um, also being printed by Harvest House. It's a book that is meant for Christians who are talking to their Latter-day Saint friends and former Mormons. A lot of people are leaving this church in droves. And what do you do now that they're leaving and going to atheism, agnosticism, or nothing at all? 45%, according to one statistic, says that's where they head. They become skeptical. They want nothing to do with Christianity. But when you ask them, what do you think Christians believe about blank? They really don't know exactly what that is. They come up with what are called straw man arguments. They say, well, the Trinity, it's it's a three-headed God. You know, it's or they'll say it's it's uh, God the Father became Jesus, became the Holy Spirit. And they say that can't be. Well, I would agree. That's not what the Trinity teaches. And so what this book is going to try to do is train up a Christian to remind them of how you can share basic gospel ideas with Latter-day Saints who may not know what you believe. And I'm hoping it's going to be a book as well that a Christian could hand to a Mormon who's interested in what we believe and uh, and want to know the basic essential issues. Now, I'm not getting into uh, issues that are, are secondary. Mm -hmm. I'm really just focusing on the most important things, the things that bind all Christians together as far as who is God, who is Jesus, what about that resurrection, what about salvation by grace through faith, what is our authority. I spend the first two chapters of the ten talking about the Bible and its reliability and its historicity. These are all things that I think every Christian needs to know to be able to have answers for the uh, Latter-day Saint who would like to know maybe a little better as to what it is that you believe. So I hope it gives Christians that confidence. Every chapter has a story, a true life evangelism story that I was involved with. Sometimes I compiled two or three stories into one, but generally they're all true stories of how I use that information and explained whatever aspect of the gospel that I'm talking about to a Latter-day Saint in a way that they can understand and even to understand their language because at the end of the book there's a glossary of words that are used we share such as gospel and grace and atonement all these different words and you can talk to a Latter-day Saint for a long time not really understanding the differences of what they mean when they say something or the differences when you say something and they interpret it the way that they think you mean it and you really don't mean that. So I, I in the book I'm training people how to do that by understanding the language and when in doubt asking the question what do you mean by that? So you can get a better feel as to what a Latter-day Saint believes. Yeah and, that, and that's such a good point too just for anybody listening who might uh, want, have LDS friends, neighbors, people that they want to get in conversations with. It's never... Uh, really a good idea to assume that you mean the same things. Always, always, always ask, um, what do you mean by that? Define your terms. Because if you don't define your terms, you might think that you believe the same thing. And that's just 
um, bad news bears. So, all right, so let's keep getting into this book. But before I ask my next question, we're going to head into a quick break. I wanted to take a quick break just to remind you that this podcast could not happen without viewers and listeners like you. And I know that that's so simple and cheesy, and I'm sure every podcast says this, but it really is so true. I could not do this podcast without you listening. I am so grateful for each and every one of you that takes the time on your commute while you do your dishes, as you're getting ready in the morning. Whenever you listen to this podcast, I am just so grateful that you take time out of your day to listen. It truly, truly means the world to me. With that being said, this podcast also can't happen without people like you who have passions that are willing to be interviewed. If that is you, if you've been listening to this for a while, or if you're listening to just this podcast and are thinking, ah, this sounds kind of interesting, maybe I want to do it, please reach out to me. You can find me at passionsoverpancakes on Instagram, passionsoverpancakes at gmail.com if you want to shoot me an email. If you are interested, please do not hesitate to reach out. This podcast also can't grow without word of mouth. So if you do enjoy this podcast, please consider liking, rating, and reviewing this podcast or sharing it with a friend. I would be so grateful if you were to take a second just to do those things. It means the world to me. I really do appreciate every single person that listens. And again, this podcast can't happen without people like you. So thank you so much. And let's go ahead and get on with the rest of the podcast. All right, we are still here with my father, Eric Johnson, in the hot seat. We're uh, going to continue on, and in the rest of this interview, we're going to be mainly talking about his new book, Introducing Christianity to Mormons, and this is one that is coming out. When is it coming out? September 13th. September 13th, 2022, and uh, mark your calendars for that. Where can they buy it, Dad? They can buy it anywhere where books are sold online, Amazon, ChristianBook.com, uh, you can go to barnesandnoble.com. Wow. That's pretty nifty. All right. I didn't know that. Very cool. Okay. Well, September 13th, mark your calendars. All right. So, Dad, you've written a lot of books. You've co-authored a lot of books. You've been an author. You've had your names, your name on a lot of different things. This book is specifically written just by you. You've been working really hard on it for about two years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what sparked the idea for this book in the first place. You want me to talk about you on the I show. Want, I want you to gloat about me is uh, what I want. <laughs> I'm kidding. So you came into my office where we're sitting right now and you asked me, Dad, I need a book for a friend at work who is asking me questions about what we as Christians believe. Is there a book that I could give her? She's said that she's willing to read it. And so uh, I went through some of the books that I have. I I have books like uh, The Case for Christ and Cold Case Christianity and other books. They're all good books. Um, Y'all should see his office. He's got books on books on books. And yet, there was none I could give her. Yeah, well, I could have given you one of those, and those were fine. But but, uh, your friend had specifically come out of Mormonism and was wanting to kind of know a little bit maybe more of the differences you know what do you believe because i know what i believed as and i guess she had just left the church wasn't sure where to go Mm -hmm. and i said well i think that's a book that just needs to be written it would be a very narrow niche of a book because you know you're not going to have a huge market for for that but a book that would train christians in how they could share what Christianity is in a way that would be aimed specifically at a Latter-day Saint worldview mindset. 
and uh, and so that was kind of the idea and then I later that morning I was mowing the grass and I thought you know I really probably should write that book it would be something that I think that could be valuable and then I was hoping maybe it could be a book that Christians not only could get a lot out of but they could hand to their LDS friend and say like you were asking here would you like to read this book I've written it so that if a Latter-day Saint does read it, I'm not trying to be offensive. One of the things a lot of Christians don't understand, we're not out to win debates. We're not out Mm -hmm. to show that we're smarter than other people. And that's pride is a major, major problem with many who try to do evangelism to Latter-day Saints. Uh, But if it was a book that you could hand somebody and just say, hey, why don't you consider what Christianity teaches? Because a lot of Mormons who have nothing to replace God and Jesus. They believed in God and Jesus when they were LDS. Now all of a sudden they leave and now they have nothing. It's just a big hole. And so I'm hoping that the evidence for Christianity, the evidence for our Bible, the reasons for God's existence. I have a whole chapter, chapter three, written on the existence of God. Somebody might ask, well, why are you writing a chapter that's supposed to be how to witness to Mormons because so many of them end up doubting a quarter. About a quarter are going to say, I want nothing to do with God and I don't believe in him and he's going to have to show himself to me. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to spend a little time and you're going to have to know a little bit in the way of apologetics to be able to say, well, let's start from square one and say this is true, that there really is a God. Whether he's the God that we worship or not, we're not trying to prove that. All we're trying to say is it seems like there is this evidence. So that's... So the conversation with you really got me thinking. I had just gotten over COVID, uh, probably been over it for only a few days mm-hmm. when you came in to talk to me. And yeah. and so I started to work on that book. Um, and then later that year, I pitched it to my uh, publisher, uh, Harvest House, that published uh, the book in 2018, Sharing the Good News with Mormons. And and they were a little hesitant because it's not going to be a book that's going to make a lot of money. And it's only my name. Yeah. Uh, but I felt I needed to be the one who would write this and not share with another writer or a bunch of other writers because I wanted to tell my evangelism stories yeah. and how you can actually use that information. And it just wouldn't have it wouldn't have worked, I don't think, with another writer. Yeah. Yeah. I have read snippets. I will tell you this, listener. Uh, I've read snippets of this book. He would send me chapters at a time. And it is it is captivating in a way that you will want to keep reading because not because it's a, a novel of any sort, but because it is in depth something that you will absolutely run into at some point. You will absolutely run into somebody who is LDS and you might want to have a conversation with them and, and to know what they believe is very helpful and to know what you believe is even more necessary and helpful and to know how to navigate those types of conversations is really important, especially for somebody who is coming out of Mormonism, who is doubting um, what the heck they believe. And what's that thing you always say, don't throw Jesus out with Joseph Smith? Well, that- don't, what the, don't throw Jesus out, the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. I, I like to say, because so many Latter-day Saints, they'll end up, um, they'll end up believing in Jesus all these years. And all of a sudden they want nothing to do with him. Well, what did mm-hmm. Jesus do to you? And you got burned by a religion, you got burned by men, but just because that happened doesn't negate the fact that there still could be a God, yeah. that there still could be a Savior. You have to do some investigation. Read your Bible. See see what it has to say. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, two chapters of this book are all about 
why the Bible can be relied upon and trusted as God's special revelation. There's so many, so many things that uh, are reasons to believe. So don't just be ignorant about it and pretend that God doesn't exist just because you wish him away. Yeah, absolutely. So you had mentioned that this book can be utilized by both Christians and Latter-day Saints. So would you recommend that anybody go buy it? Would you recommend that uh, people buy it for their LDS friends? How would you recommend that people really utilize this book? Well, I think they can buy it for themselves if they're a Christian and they want to better understand how they can share with LDS people. But then if you like the book and you have LDS friends and you're trying to share some things of Christianity, and here, here's a little uh, tip. Ask your LDS friend. So, I, I'm not quite sure what you believe about blank. Can you tell me a little more? Let them tell you. And, and by reading my book, you're going to see a little bit of what they believe, although I'm really focusing more on what Christians believe. Mm-hmm. And they're going to use the same language, so it's going to be hard to distinguish. But really try your best to use uh, the information that's in this book to, to get them to uh, show that their view of who God is, their view of who Jesus is, mm-hmm. their view of salvation is different. And then say, well, no, that's not the way it is. Can I show you some verses? I put hundreds and hundreds of references in there so you can actually use the Bible to support it. But certainly anybody can buy the book. I would hope that a Latter-day Saint says, you know, I, I want to give them a fair shot. I want to mm-hmm. see what it is they believe. This one book will give you the basic idea of what every single evangelical Bible-believing Christian believes. And if you want to have that, then I think this would be a book for you to read. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so you had mentioned that you spend the first two chapters of your new book talking about uh, the Bible as a special revelation and how the New Testament is trustworthy and reliable. But your book is only 10 chapters long, right? So why did you spend so much time discussing the historicity of the Bible uh, when the Latter-day Saints do use the King James Version as one of their written scriptures? Uh, the main reason why I put so much emphasis on the Bible, Hannah, is that I wanted people to have a reason to believe the Bible is true. Because if we don't have that, then where do we go? Because yeah. it's just my opinion versus their opinion. Yeah. And the LDS Church teaches its people that the book, uh, the Bible is only b- believable as far as it's translated correctly. And so if it's, only, if, if it's only correct in that kind of way, and, and what it means by translation, I point out, is not just translation from one language to another, but it's actually the transmission. Because mm-hmm. Latter-day Saints have this idea that a bunch of uh, apostate uh, priests got together and added in and took away things that should have been in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Plain and precious truths is how, how it's called. And uh, if that's the case, then... You, then we shouldn't believe the Bible at all, and the Mormons shouldn't even have it either, I don't think. Yeah. But if it's believable, and we can find true scripture in, in the Bible, then I think uh, everything follows that we should study this to see what God's mind is. And so there, there's a... Um, uh, it, why, you probably remember when we taught you in a seminary, five chains. Uh, Ripti, remember Ripti? Revel, uh, revelation, inspiration, preservation... Um, translation and and uh, interpretation. Mm-hmm. Those are the five things for us to understand. If we need to want to know what God has for us today, we have to go through general and special revelation. Special revelation is God's word. General revelation, God has made himself abundantly clear according to Psalm 19 and Romans 1 through our morals, through, through our conscience, through the nature around us. 
and uh, and, and it's inspired. All scripture is inspired by God and is mm-hmm. profitable. It goes through four different areas where the Bible can be profitable, and it can be profitable for us to understand how we're supposed to think and how we're supposed to live. Mm-hmm. And it was preserved. It was preserved because we have the Dead Sea Scrolls that help us to know what the Old Testament said. We mm-hmm. have uh, more than 5,000 Greek manuscripts, more than 24,000 manuscripts uh, mm-hmm. in other languages of the New Testament to help us know that what was written originally is what we have today. Yeah. And then to take it through, um, the, you know, the, you have to have a good translation. The best way is to go learn the Greek and the Hebrew, but not yeah. everybody's going to do that. We have such wonderful English translations, mm-hmm. a wealth of them. You can go to BibleGateway.com and you can read the New International Version, the English Standard Version, the New American Standard Version. All of these are great versions for us to understand. And you can compare those English versions and see they're pretty much saying the same thing, just mm-hmm. saying it in different English words. Yeah. But then the interpretation is crucial. Because yeah. you can get through those first four and believe all of it. And then you get to interpretation and you take a verse uh, like James 220 faith without works is dead oh see you have to work in order to have salvation that's not what it's saying it's saying you have to uh, you have to have faith the works come show me your faith by what you do yeah and in a sense we are justified through our works as well because if you are truly a believer good works will follow but not before you have received the holy spirit the holy spirit comes into you romans clearly spends time on that uh, to showing you that that we've got the power of God in our lives. So, yeah, the, the, the Bible, if we don't have a good idea of the authenticity of the Bible, there's nowhere else we can go. So I wanted every reader to read those two chapters first before we got into some of the doctrinal issues where we do disagree. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're talking a lot about, um, especially right there in that last question about the depth and the truth that the Bible has to offer. There might be people listening right now who aren't Mormons or aren't Christians, might not be religious at all, that might be very interested and intrigued and maybe inspired by what you're saying with everything with that last question. Where would be a good place for them to start? Should they pick up a Bible and just start reading it? Where where would be a good place to start for people t- who are interested in what you're saying about Christianity? I think they should start in Leviticus. What do you think, Hannah? <laughs> Hannah's doing a paper right now on Leviticus, and so I thought maybe she would enjoy, well, probably not starting in Leviticus, then, no, huh, Hannah? don't scare people away that oh, much. Oh, okay. I, I think just to know the story of Jesus, I mean, there's, there's videos on Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are mm-hmm. complete videos you can watch, you can rent, you can buy. And it, all they do is depict the story of Jesus uh, using the actual words out of the gospel stories. These are four different accounts. Yeah. You you could watch The Chosen. Uh, now, The Chosen, you have to understand, does take a lot of liberty. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of interpretation on that one. If you're trying to understand what the Bible really says, I probably wouldn't go to The Chosen, although I don't mind The Chosen for mm-hmm. creativity. But I would first go to those other videos that are very close to, uh, they're exact, what the, the Bible says. Uh, so maybe read the book of John. That would be a good one. There's a video on John, as I mentioned. Uh, uh, you can follow along in your NIV, and, and they and and they uh, depict it for you. And and um, uh, but that is the reason why John, over the other three, is it has the most unique stories, and also spends a lot of time of Jesus telling us who He is and mm-hmm. what you have to do in order to receive eternal life. Yeah. Another book I like, and for Mormons, I actually have on our website mrm.org. 
um, uh, it's, it's called the, the uh, Book of Romans Challenge. Taking that challenge, read the Book of Romans, which is a doctrinal book, and, and study it chapter by chapter. And I have questions on our website that you can go to where you can uh, actually, um, uh, help, I help you through each chapter. But don't use any outside resources or interpretation. Just read it for what it says. And ask yourself, if you're a Latter-day Saint especially, is this what my church teaches? And I think you're going to say across the board, no, this is mm-hmm. not what my church teaches. That's a problem. Because yeah. if your theology disagrees with what the Bible teaches, and you're going to minimize it by saying, well, we only believe the Bible as far as it's translated correctly, I think you've got a problem. How do you know, and I'm not trying to equate this, but uh, how do you know that your leaders are not in the same line as Jim Jones? Yeah. Who told his people to follow him to the Central American country and and you'll learn a work ethic and we'll teach you Bible and all the rest. And people did. A thousand people end up dying. Now, they died physical deaths. I don't know if any of them were real true believers or not, but right. a thousand souls. Mormonism has a lot of advantages here on this earth, uh, Hannah. I mean, there's family. Mm-hmm. There's good work ethic. Mm-hmm. I, I live among Mormons. They're great people. I'm they friends are. with them. Yeah. But if the... If the whole religion is based on Joseph Smith's uh, myths, then I'm going to say this is a religion that uh, Jesus said uh, you could gain the whole world and lose your soul. What's it worth? And just because you feel comfortable in this religion, if it's not true, always go to where the truth is. Uh, And and so that's where I would say... um, Reading, reading a couple of books like that would be a great start. Mm-hmm. And then chapter 10, I talk about finding a good Bible-based church where mm-hmm. they have good preaching, but also small groups get involved with other Christians and do life together in yeah. a community as it was meant to be so that uh, you can have other people helping you to grow, to stretch your faith to, uh, so that 10 years from now, you'll look back and go, man, I was such a baby back then as far as a Christian, and now I'm getting more mature, and I'm understanding more, and I'm able to actually share my faith with other people. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so you just talked a little bit about why it's so important for Christians to get involved in churches, and you talk about this a lot in Chapter 10, and you also say that being a Christian is not a passive experience. Why is it so important, especially nowadays, for maybe lukewarm Christians or people who are just getting involved in Christianity um, and finding out what they believe. Why is it so important for people to get involved in a church, in a small group, or whatever it may be? Well, I think it's important that you take ownership of your own faith, and you're going to need to... You're going to need to get in God words yourself. You're going to need to uh, have a devotional life. You're going to, a mm-hmm. prayer life. You, you, you need to do a lot of things on your own. You can't just say going to church on Sunday is going to uh, give me everything I need. It's like eating once a week. You don't just eat once a week. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think everybody needs to have some kind of accountability. And other believers who uh, the Bible says don't give up meeting together. I think we need to... Uh, uh, I think we need to have that place. I mean, you you could debate, well, does that mean I just go to a home fellowship? Does it have to be an official church? Does it have to be on Sunday? Can I go Saturday night? You know, th- all kinds of things like that. And some people have jobs that they have to work on Sunday. I realize that. But I think having a place where people know your name, mm-hmm. where you have some kind of accountability, if it's a really large church, you're going to have to spend a little time getting involved in the smaller groups and, and having a place where 
where when you're gone for three weeks, does anybody notice you're gone? Mm. Uh, you know, when you come back the fourth week, does anybody say, oh, I haven't missed you? Yeah. You know, or is, is just you sit in the same seats every time and, and nobody says anything? Yeah. You know, nobody checked up on you? I think that's one of the things that's hard in today's society because in the old days, when I say the old days, when, when I was a kid back in the 60s, 70s, in the 80s, it was just common. If you missed church for a couple of weeks, they, they would take attendance. They would call you and yeah. say, hey, how you doing? Is there anything going on? What can we do for you? Yeah. I don't hear of too many churches doing that. I, I suppose there are some, but uh, it just seems like, I mean, does anybody keeping track of anybody? Yeah. Does everybody know each other's names? That's the problem, too. We, we live in a society where it's anonymous. I don't think COVID helped with all the masks. And yeah. so we don't like necessarily meeting new people and and getting too involved but i think there needs to be somewhere at some point in your life where you find a place and it might not be the first place you go to church go visit some other ones and just find out what they believe what what their purpose is why you ought to possibly consider getting involved there and then get involved yeah i think uh uh you need the church just as much as the church needs you the mm-hmm. body of christ we, we we are all in this together and we're living in times where it's not popular to be a Christian, so we need all mm-hmm. the support and help we can get in the biblical training as well. All right, well, I think that very much wraps up what we uh, wanted to talk about today. I really appreciate you being on my podcast, Dad. Thank you so much. And I'm passionate about <laughs> pancakes and Hannah. Yes, it no. was fun to be on your show. You didn't ask me that question originally. No, what, Dad, what are you passionate about? Oh, Hannah, let me tell you what I'm passionate <laughs> about. I'm passionate about pancakes people and problems and so that's what i love and so uh you know your people i i'm passionate about you and about what you're doing and i'm so excited that i'm your dad that i get to see you grow up and do some really incredible things so we just need you to move back to utah though soon all right everybody share this podcast with friends so that i can start making money off this podcast and then i can move back to utah faster (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and kind of promote your new book to my generation. And um, hopefully this can get into some hands of people, maybe even these listeners or share them with other people. So tell us again where we can get once on September 13th. Tell us where we can get the book. And you, and you can pre-order now. You can get the book at Amazon.com, ChristianBooks.com, BarnesandNoble.com. Lots of online resources. Introducing Christianity to Mormons. And I should mention, we have a website where there's additional information. Mm -hmm. It's called introducingchristianity.com. Introducingchristianity.com. Go there. I have links to those websites I just mentioned. It also has a lot of bells and whistles, including the answers to the questions I ask at the end of each chapter, possible answers at least, and uh, some other extras that I think people will like. That's awesome. Very cool. All right. Uh, Everything will be linked down below. The book that you can pre-order will be linked down below on a bunch of different websites, whoever you want to buy it through. Uh, His ministry, my dad, Eric Johnson, and Bill McKeever's ministry, Mormonism Research Ministry will be linked down below, and as well as some other resources that you can use if you are wanting to witness to uh, Mormons as well. So, Dad, thank you again for being on my podcast, and we will find all that information below. Feel free to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, whether you are on YouTube, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you may be, uh, that really supports me, and I appreciate it when you do it. And we will see you next week.
Pancakes. Back to our host, <laughs> Hannah Johnson. I didn't quite get that. What was that? Passion. Passion about pancakes. I love pancakes with syrup to maple. <laughs> Is that going to be my new theme song? <laughs> Thanks, Dad.